Hi, it's Curiosity Reporter Adriana Cardona Magigad. And in this episode, I want to start with a little game. Guess what drink these people are describing here? If I had to kind of boil it down scientifically, I would say... It tastes like, it's like angry. Baby aspirin wrapped in grapefruit peel and then tied up with rubber bands. Like a Sour Patch Kid is kind of like a friendly sour flavor. This is the most god-awful bitter sour flavor you've ever had. If you took a whole grapefruit and just took a big bite out of it and you get everything, you get the peel, you get the pith, you get the flesh, you get the juice... Here's a hint. It's very Chicago. Do you know what it is? It's Malort, Chicago's own bitter liquor that went from being the birthday shot bartenders gave for free to a popular choice on many drink menus across bars in the city. So popular that Curious City listener Kevin McDermott wanted to know... How it went from a very obscure drink in, in a handful of dive bars to becoming a symbol of Chicago, which it really is now. And, you know, like the path it took to get there. Kevin has lived in Chicago all his life. And he tried Malort for the first time on a bet, around the time the drink was gaining popularity in 2012. But recently, he began wondering why a liquor that tastes like soap to him went from being virtually unknown to a popular shot that you must have to call yourself, quote-unquote, a true Chicagoan. So I went bar hopping and even talked to the bartender who many say ushered my lord to his rise in the last decade. More on that coming up. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. You can sip Malort or add it to a cocktail, but usually it's taken as a shot. And that first taste can hit really hard. When I started reporting this story, I knew I wanted to find someone who'd never tried it before and get their immediate, in-the-moment reaction on tape. So I met up with my editor, Susie Ann, at the Old Town Ale House on a recent Friday night. We sat at the bar and got straight to it. We've got the shot of Malort with an old-style beer. This is the Chicago Handshake. And I guess you're not really a Chicagoan until you had this. I shared with Susie a little rhyme some of us Spanish speakers use right before taking a shot. Arriba, abajo, al centro y para dentro. Arriba, abajo. All right, here we go. Oh. <laughs> My, my stomach is burning a little bit. <laughs> do you taste the grapefruit right now? I do, I do. I think if you didn't point it out, I, maybe I wouldn't have connected that. Susie is now initiated as a true Chicagoan. 
even though she's been living here for two decades. According to many Malort fans, the drink is a Chicago rite of passage, like Aguardiente is in Colombia, where I come from. I wasn't crazy about Malort, but compared to Aguardiente or Burning Water, which is a strong liquor made of cane sugar, Malort didn't seem so bad. We spoke with the bartender at the L House. I asked him. How often do people actually want to do a shot of Malort, aside from the handshake? Very, very often. You know, we order cases of it a week. It's a pretty uh, popular drink. You know, with tourists that know that it's a thing they're supposed to do in Chicago or um, a lot of people in the service industry, kind of a go-to shot. That's right. Even tourists want to try it. But before we get into how my lord got so famous, let's look back a little into its history. In the 1920s, when alcohol was prohibited in the U.S., Carl Jepson, an immigrant from Sweden, started making traditional Swedish-style bitters in Chicago. Its main ingredient is wormwood, an herb from Sweden that's been known to cure stomach worms and parasites. And he sold the liquor as a tonic or a medicine. Years later, Jepson eventually sold his recipe, and later the bottles were sold as malort, which is Swedish for wormwood. Its production moved to Florida in the 80s until it came back to Chicago about five years ago. So back to Kevin's question. How did Malort go from being an obscure drink mostly consumed in some old-school bars to becoming a popular symbol here in Chicago? I got in touch with Pat Berger. He used to own Patty Long's, a bar in Lakeview that specialized in craft beer and bacon. I had a front-row ticket to what was going down. And he remembers when Malort was unpopular. Malort was always this sort of tool we used to kind of mess with customers, you know, if they asked for a free shock, so it was their birthday or something like that. Uh, I have a distinct memory of the first time someone actually ordered a Malort from me. And I was like, really? You want, you, you want to pay for a shot of Malort? And then Pat hired Sam Mecklin. Sam worked at a number of bars in Chicago. And he's the guy who gave the city a whole new perspective on Malort. Sam has a unique falling-in-love story with it. I had heard of the stuff before. I was watching the door at a wine bar, which seems like a strange place to have a bouncer. But another guy that worked with me had told me about this shot that he said tasted like that junk drawer that everybody has in their kitchen. Uh-huh. And that that just seems so insane to me. And I, to be honest, I didn't quite believe him. So one time, he was at a local tavern. He saw the bottle of Malort behind the bar. And his friend ordered a round of shots. The bartender kind of gave him a strange look. And when I drank the shots, within, I don't know, a tenth of a second, I knew that he had not oversold it to me, that it was everything he had told me. What did it taste like to you? Can you describe that feeling or that taste? Well, he was right about the woody kind of part, like the pencils in the junk drawer, that kind of vibe. If I had to kind of boil it down scientifically, I would say it tasted like baby aspirin 
and it just kind of turns your tongue to wool, you know, in terms of like the other senses of the body that it assaults. But I took it and I took it just fine. I don't think I had grown to love it just then, but I was so just gobsmacked with the novelty of it and the, the uniqueness of it. And as a person that has a sense of humor that's a little bit biting sometimes, it, it was like meeting your future wife, you know what I mean? It was just like it knocked me out. He says it wasn't love at first shot, but there was an undeniable spark. After that first shot, I think it was pretty apparent that I was going to be thinking about that for the rest of my life, almost every day. Sam was in his mid-20s at the time, and he started buying rounds for his friends, just to see how they'll react. And I would make the entire birthday party do a shot, and it was not received as being generous. Not everyone took the shot very well, but there were some two or three who kind of liked the bitter taste and got the irony. And then they were sort of anointed and or infected with that. Sam became a Malort Crusader. He saw a lot of potential in this forgotten liquor that only a few in Chicago had learned to love in years past. He gets very poetic about the experience. Some people, they like the bitterness of it. It has been known to kind of quell an upset stomach and things like that. But what is so alluring is that it issues a challenge to you and it kind of thumps you in your chest and calls you out for not having the fortitude to drink it. So you make it a goal to overcome the taste of the spirits. That taste and people's reactions to it became Sam's obsession. Eventually, as a manager of a bar, he hosted Malort theme events like trivia nights and comedy shows. Malort is vegan. The only animals we kill are people. The words people would say after they took a shot, I thought that was such rich material for kind of expanding people's awareness of the brand. And so at uh, the bar, I would give everybody a little sample shot during our quiz, and they would have to write on a note card what they thought it tasted like. Then he would gather them up and have someone rank the funniest examples and read those to the whole bar. It tastes like like burning. Tastes like the day Dad left. Malort tastes like driving through Gary, Indiana in a convertible with your mouth open. I mean, these are a lot of these expand beyond just pure olfactory descriptors. Like they get, they make a story out of it. This was a turning point for Sam. He knew he had to get involved with the brand on an even deeper level. Eventually, Sam began working with Pat Berger at Patty Long's, and that's when things took off. He gave me an amazing venue to sort of expand and explore all the things that were possible with the brand. Here's Pat Berger again. Sam was like a renaissance man. He has a background in, obviously, bartending but he was a stand-up comic. He was a comedy writer. He is, in my opinion, an artist. And according to Pat, Sam was on social media before most people. Somehow, by miracle, I obtained the handle at Jepson's Malort across all social media platforms. And uh, I'd begun to kind of slowly gather a fan base through a humor-based 
social media. He was putting up these hysterical posts that you wouldn't think anyone could take seriously, but very quickly people thought that this was the official Jepson's Malort account. And I don't know if you're able to pull up any of these old posts, but they are hysterical and outrageous and some of them are filthy. Hey mother it's me again, Jepson's Malort. Are you really thinking about spending another night at home? But all of a sudden he had thousands of followers. Sam was investing a lot of time and his own money into this Malort hobby. As much fun as I was having with the brand, and I and I was, trust me, I had spent who knows how many hundreds and possibly thousands of my own dollars just buying bottles for like trips to Chicago Fire Games and all that stuff. He says he wasn't expecting to make money out of it, but at the very least, he wanted it to break even. Here is how Sam and Pat describe what happened next. I decided to just sell t-shirts. And he made these Malort logo t-shirts. We sold them out of the bar. And the response was, you know, I I couldn't believe it. In one day, you know, 100 people came in to buy these Malort t-shirts. I used that money and bought a much larger order and those sold out immediately. And I had three or four times where I just rolled the profits right back into producing more shirts. Sam was really freaking out because he had this pile of money that he had made off of the Malort name. I mean, you know, it was t-shirt sales. I had gathered up enough money that I started to get nervous about the fact that that I could have potentially been in some sort of legally actionable position, <laughs> even though I was just trying to make the shirts and just pay myself back. He looked up who the owner of Malort was, which was a, a woman named Patty Gablick. And I think he just sent it to the address of the Malort company, which as it turned out was Patty's apartment down on the Gold Coast. And he mailed her a check. I sent her a check for 500 bucks and I actually got a piece of paper and a pen and wrote a letter. I know it seems crazy, but I mailed it to her. He kind of sat patiently waiting for her to cash it, which she did not do. And he was kind of hoping she would reach out to him, but he had no idea. And my hope is that she would cash the check. And then at that point, I would see it in my bank account that it would have been withdrawn. And that would be like an unspoken handshake that she was fine with what I was doing. But I kept checking and checking and checking. And the, the check was never cashed. He thought that was not a good sign. Maybe she's getting a lawyer. But then the letter came back to him as undeliverable. Not only that, the envelope was marked deceased. Sam thought that would be the end of that. But then he got a surprise visit. That's coming up. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Malort has been around for decades, but for years, 
Its battles mostly lived in back shelves of taverns and dive bars collecting dust. But more than a decade ago, Sam Mecklin, a bartender here in Chicago, created a whole DIY marketing strategy around it that caught a lot of people's attention. And he felt nervous about the small profit he was making off t-shirt sales. He sent the owner a check and a letter, but those were returned to him. But one day, when Sam and Pat least expected it... She walked into Patty Long's. Sam was behind the bar. And he didn't know who she was. No one knew what Patty looked like. She walked in. She said, hi, I'm Patty Gablick. I own Malort. The mail carrier made a mistake. And, well, let's just say that Patty never got the letter. And he was like, now it's going down, you know. And she goes, this is my lawyer. She had her lawyer with her. And he was shaking in his boots. We sat down and the lawyer, guy named Bill, he asked me, he's like, well, when were you going to pay us for the illegal use of our trademark? And I said, well, I tried to. And and he didn't really seem to believe me. So I knew that I had the letter upstairs where I was living at the time. So I ran up and grabbed the letter and Mm -hmm. gave it to her. And it was still sealed, postmarked and everything. And it said deceased on it. And uh, I said, she looked good for a dead woman. And um, (laughs) she opened it up and saw the the words that I'd written. I mean, I really put my heart into the letter and it was, it was exactly how I felt. And I didn't hold back. And the whole tone of the meeting changed after that happened. Patty, my Lord's owner and her lawyer stepped aside and chatted. Then she came back with an idea. She's like, what would you say to kind of continuing to do what you're doing now already, but you would work for me? And like, I thought I was going to pass out because it was, it was like going from thinking that I was going to be financially destroyed by this corporation to landing a dream job in the matter of five minutes. Patty was very smart. And she, when the orders started coming in, you know, 40, 50, 60 times what they were selling, she understood the value of what Sam was doing. Patty's only request to Sam was to tone down the profanity on social media, though it's unclear to what extent that happened. Coming down like that, the middle fingers are always free. But one thing is for sure, that was the start of Sam's official involvement with Malort. And in Pat's opinion, Malort's resurgence from just being available at VFW halls and places like the Green Mill to being in every hipster bar in Chicago. Right before Sam joined the brand, he says, Malort's sales were essentially flat. Maybe up 10% one year, down 10% another year. But it had stagnated because there was absolutely no money or effort put into the marketing of the product. But after rebranding, sales jumped up significantly. In that time, the brand had grown 1,100%, so over 1,000%. Sam and Patty eventually organized many official events at Patty Long's. Patty used to come in every Thursday and drink her white wine and meet her fans, and it was wonderful. That partnership lasted several years, nearly a decade. The success drew attention from others in the liquor production industry who were shocked, just like Sam, that the actual production of Malort was happening out of town, not in Chicago, but in Florida. 
Eventually, the owner, Patty, retired and sold the company to Tremaine Atkinson, the CEO and head distiller of CH Distillery in 2018. Tremaine and Sam worked together for about a year, then Sam decided it was time to move on. It kind of became clear that while Tremaine and I remain friends and we still are friends, that I wouldn't be able to kind of continue my role as directly with the brand and it, it just no longer made sense and i had sort of it's like raising a kid you know eventually you kind of have to let them go on your own tremaine moved the production of my lord back to chicago after more than 30 years we're at our distillery in east pilsen right now so we're right now we're standing in front of this f4 tank and this has got Right now, this has got 16,000 liters of Malort in it. And it goes up. This is a 20-foot tall tank. It's about six feet wide. It's massive. And so this will be empty and consumed within three to four weeks. Trumain expanded the distribution of Malort. When we bought the company five years ago, it was uh, available in Chicago and then also in Wisconsin, Indiana, and Louisiana. Those were the other three states. Malert is now available in 30 states. So outside of Illinois, probably 30 to 40% of all the Malert that is um, produced it goes out of state. So it's a small company. It's definitely not in the billions. It's in the low millions. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a good business, but it, it's mostly it's a source of pride for the company to have, to be the kind of the caretakers of Malort, if you will. And, and now, you know, you might even call us Malort evangelists because we are spreading the word. As far as the marketing campaign, it seems the Malort culture Sam created has carried on. We're pretty laid back in our approach to marketing because, first of all, there are a lot of fans of Malort that, that post things on social media and even create events. You know, there's a Malort 5K that's been going on for years that... They just did it, you know. So there's a lot of just fan-created content and love, and, and so we mostly just try to encourage that. But Trumaine says one reason it continues to grow is because... It actually is good. People like to say that, you know, oh, I hate Malort, but then they drink it. And you usually don't come back to something that unless you actually like it. But it's fun to make fun of it. It's such a Chicago thing, and it... I, I would argue that you're not a bar in Chicago if you don't have a bottle of Malort. After parting ways with Malort, Sam moved back to Ohio during the pandemic. That's where he's originally from. Looking back, he says Malort gave him more than he ever expected. Just the amount of people that I met through the process, you know, internet friends became real friends. I essentially met my girlfriend, who's going to become my wife pretty soon here. I met her through my work for the brand. And so, like, everything in my life that I appreciate and that really matters to me came through that process. And, um, yeah, lucky dude. He says he wasn't in it for the money. But transforming something old and unwanted to something new and trendy meant that he's done his job. Curious City is supported by the Conan Family Foundation and is produced by Jason Mark and Jody So. 
Maggie Sivet is the digital and engagement producer. Marie Mendoza is our podcast fellow. Susie On is our editor. And I'm Adriana Cardona Magigat. Thanks for listening. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.